Father, I thank you that our hearts are ready to receive. Our spirits are ready to receive. I thank you, Father God, that the Word of God is going to come forward uh, with clarity and with conviction to help us. Conviction to help us understand clarity for us to comprehend and understand and see. I thank you, Father God, for the truth of your Word coming and bringing revelation, insight, and knowledge to us. As we look into your Word, we receive it gladly. We receive it with thanksgiving, and we receive it as your Word. Father, let not the word of a man, let not the word of an organization have precedence over the, your word. We receive your word for what it is and what you're saying. We give you all the glory. We give you all the praise. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. amen. Praise God. Well, if you have your Bibles, let's get those out. We will turn to a verse, I think. I found out on Sunday that we didn't really do that much, but boy, I gave you a lot of verses. Let's turn to 1 John right now so that way we don't get into trouble. 1 John chapter 3. And uh, we're going to continue, I believe, on this sermon series that I've been preaching um, without any real uh, marketing, I guess. We haven't really made it known to everybody and their dog that we're going to preach this, but we've been preaching it. And it's been helpful, I believe. There's been some truth that's been brought to us, and there's been some some relief brought to us. We've been talking about bearing fruit, and what does that mean? And you know, it's interesting, I said this on Sunday, I said I'm, I'm way more concerned with the spirit of religion as I am the spirit of the world, because the spirit of the world is easy for us to see. Galatians chapter 5, the Apostle Paul, by the Holy Spirit, says that the fruit of the Spirit is, and he said, but the fruit of the flesh is evident to all. It's not difficult to see that people are just without God, and as a result of being without God, there are characteristics and there are lifestyles and there are habits and there are actions and there are deeds that are very, very easy for us to see. But maybe here tonight, there may be this push or this tug, the spirit of religion, the spirit of tradition that's trying to get on us and, and it's just sitting, like I said on Sunday, it lies in stealth. We can't necessarily even see this ideologies of man, these traditions of man, these you've got to work, you've got to work, you've got to work, you've got to work. You're not good enough to be accepted by God. You're not, you're not doing enough to be accepted by God. You haven't, you haven't been here long enough and you haven't paid enough and you haven't done enough. For you to be acceptable and pleasing to God. And that, my friends, is the spirit of religion. And we may not be able to see it. It may not be evident. But yet, when those thoughts come tonight, if they do. When those thoughts come tomorrow, if they do. You can say, man, that's trash. I'm not going to listen to that. That's garbage. It has been completed for me by Jesus Christ. Amen? So I'm, I'm way more concerned with the spirit of religion. Because it lies in weight. And it lies in stealth. And it comes on you. Maybe in the middle of the night, you wake up. Or maybe tomorrow, God forbid, but maybe you go through the day and you have just a crappy day. And then the enemy tries to put some condemnation on you. The enemy tries to put some guilt on you and says, well, the reason you're having this crappy day is because you didn't give enough money in church last night or you weren't worshiping hard enough, whatever that means, at church last night. Or you just didn't punch, like we talked about on Sunday, you didn't punch all the prayer cards for the week. You didn't get all the holes or all the stars. And so that's why you've got this crappy day going on. We have to be careful because that, that religious ideology will creep up on us. 
And we can't allow it to come in in our life. Amen? We're talking about bearing fruit, but this is how we're fruitful. We get out of works. Hebrews chapter 4, we're not going to turn there tonight, but Hebrews chapter 4, if you're taking notes, tells us there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. And just like God, we must cease from our labors. It's time for us to just stop trying to do it in our own strength, stop trying to do it in our own talent, stop trying to do it our own way, and just stand back, tape it, take a deep breath and say, Holy Spirit, how should I do this? How should I say this? How sh what's acceptable in your eyes? Because the Bible tells us this very, very, very familiar verse. We're going to get to 1 John chapter 3, I promise. I had you go there for a reason. But the Bible tells us this very familiar verse in Paul's letter to the church at Colossae. He says, and whatever you do, whether in word, whatever you say, or in deed, whatever actions you do, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Not in your doing, but the attitude in which you do, the attitude in which you say, you're giving glory to God the Father. This is the crux of what we're trying to do in our life. This is producing fruit. We talked about on Wednesday a little bit. We talked about on Sunday a little more that Galatians chapter 5 talks about the fruit of the Spirit. There are nine fruits, as it were, of the Spirit. But that's the Holy Spirit's working in you. And when you and I give ourselves over to the Holy Spirit and say, I want your attitude. I want your actions. I want your wisdom. I don't want to go do this in my own strength. Then we allow the Holy Spirit to live the life of Jesus Christ. It's no longer I that lives, but Christ that lives in me and the life that I now live in the flesh. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I that live. Galatians 2, chapter 20. So we're allowing the work of the Holy Spirit we're allowing the life of Jesus Christ to come out of our physical bodies and help people and love people and bless people. And we're giving place to the Holy Spirit to cultivate his fruit in us and through us. We can't do anything to get love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. We, we can't do anything to get those things. And we can't really do anything to work those things. We have to give ourselves over to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Are you here? But there is work that we're supposed to do, and there is a command that we're supposed to follow. And, and the Bible says this in the book of Hebrews, and we're not preaching on this tonight, but the Bible says in the book of Hebrews that God has written his law in our hearts. And so we think, oh yeah, that's the Ten Commandments. No. No, it's not. Oh, this is 613 laws of Moses that he brought down from Sinai. No, no, it's not. They're the laws that Jesus said, a new commandment I give unto you. So there is work that we're supposed to do in the earth through the person of the Holy Spirit working in us. Now, I understand for some of you, you may have never heard preaching like this, and some of you have been in this church and never heard preaching like this, and that's okay. That's why we talked about the spirit of religion. Again, it's that man-made ideology and that man-made doctrine that says, well, I just don't think that's right. Well, I have news for you. I don't care if you think it's right. It pans out in Scripture. Amen? And if we'll let go of what we think and start holding on to what he says, 
That's what I meant by I don't care what you think. Because we'll get ourselves into trouble if we keep saying, well, I think this, and I think that, and I think this. Well, that's fancy. That's real cool. It's like bedazzling something. That's really, that's real fancy, but I don't care what you think. What's it say? Because you know what's interesting is that what it says, contrary to popular belief, isn't up for interpretation. What it says is what it says. So we say, well, I, I, I don't believe that. Well, who cares? <laughs> well, I just think this way. Well, that's, that's fancy. That's, that's really neat. It doesn't matter. Come here for a minute, Jamie, if you would. What color is Jamie's shirt? This isn't a trick. Jamie's wearing a black shirt, correct? Well, I just think it's red. Well, who cares? Seriously. This is how it is for us. I haven't forgotten about Colossians, and I haven't forgotten about 1 John chapter 3, verse 23. This is, what it, this is what it comes down to for us. Because, bless God, we've been born again, and we know everything, because we had $11 and found a Walmart to buy a Bible. Are you here? So I know everything. You ever met someone like that? <laughs> no power, no ability to be able to yield to it to surrender to it, but they know everything there is to know. Yeah. So that's, that's just like us saying, well, you know, I understand that that says that that shirt is black. Even on the tag, it says that it's black, but I just think that it's red. Well, this is not up to interpretation. This is a factual matter that he's wearing a black shirt. Does everybody understand that? So when we look into the Word of God... So we say, well, you know, I, I heard the preacher giving scriptures about fruit, but I just don't think that it's like that. Well, but what color is the shirt? So we could use this as a tagline onto the sermon. What color is the shirt? It doesn't matter what our opinion is. What it matters is what's being said in the Word of God. There is something that we're supposed to do. There is a work that we're supposed to work. There are commands that we're supposed to keep. Hebrews does say that God has written His law on our hearts. There is something that is supposed to be operating in us, bringing change by the power of the Holy Spirit, the person of Jesus Christ in our lives. Life, our exposure to his grace, our exposure to his mercy, and there are things that we're supposed to just not do, and that is by the working of the Holy Spirit and by us falling more and more in love with Jesus. But we say, well, it doesn't really matter. I, I, I just think that the Bible means this. And again, what color is the shirt? It's not red. And no matter how many things we think about the color of this shirt, how many know there's only just one true answer? Thank you, Jamie. How many, how many know that no matter what we think about the Scripture, there's 25, 30 people in here tonight. We have 30 different opinions. That's fancy. That's cool. But it doesn't matter what our opinion is because there's something that it's actually saying. Are you here? So 1 John chapter 3 tells us that we're supposed to do something. He's, he's given us this word. It says, by this, verse 16, we know love. By what? Because he, Jesus, laid down his life for us. And we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Well, I don't think I should go and help the church. Well, who, what color is the shirt? Who, who cares what you think? What's it say? The millennials, for some reason, think the millennial generation 
have brought some fantastic things into the world. And I, I feel like I was born out of time because I feel like I'd be more... I don't wear skinny jeans for obvious reasons, but I listen to the same music and I do the same stuff and I'm all about the same ideologies and my core beliefs and principles of, of the worldview and so on and so forth are what the godly perspective of what a millennial should be and have. I, I don't think you have to put on a suit every time you come to church, as you can see. And So I'm for millennials. However, there is a, a side to this where we just have ideas. I can't say we because I'm not part of that generation, but they have ideas of what church should be and how church should be and what we should do and how things should be done. And, and we've gotten to a place where they've gotten to a place where they don't like absolute truth because everything should be relative. But not everything is relative. There is still absolute truth in the world today. Up is always going to be up. North will always be that way. Absolute. It doesn't matter if you're facing this way. North will always be that way. That's an absolute. Hot's always going to be hot. Cold's always going to be cold. Black's going to be black. Red's going to be red. So on and so forth. And so we have to be careful because as we see the effects and the influences of not just a generation, but multiple generations in the body of Christ, the more people come in of a particular generation, you know, you can get people in the, in the, the generation X or, or whatever generation it may be, the baby boomers or what have you. And, and so we get into these mindsets and mentalities that are established in and out of the generation. You follow what I'm saying? Like, like the, the greatest generation, the people who established our country and fought Germany and won in the war and built our highways, and people are like, they built highways? I thought, no, yeah, they're not that old highways. The greatest generation, they had a mentality and a mindset. And sometimes that mentality and that mindset wasn't scriptural. And then the baby boomers, they had a mindset and a mentality and they thought that they could just smoke whatever was growing and that was okay and they could drop acid and they could go on these psychedelic ideologies and go and live out in a commune someplace forever. Well, that just doesn't pan out in Scripture. And then the next generation, see what I'm saying? I'm not picking on a generation. I'm saying every generation comes. The generation that's prominent right now is that, that, that millennial generation. And then Generation X, my generation. We're on the uprise. There are people in my generation that can be elected to be president. Crazy. <laughs> There's no way I should be the president of the United States of America. <sighs> What's my point? Just because it's culturally relevant doesn't mean that it's going to match up with Scripture. And we have to hold on to the Word of God. And we have to hold on to the truth. So the, the, the millennial culture in the Generation Next culture says, we don't have to go to church. Well, that's error. We are to go to church. We're supposed to come to the house of God and be with the brethren. How can we, by this, we know the love of God? Verse 16 because he laid down his life for us, we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. If we're not here in the house of God, finding out what Dale needs or what Miss Jill needs or what Art needs or what Jamie needs, how are we going to be able to serve one another and lay down our lives? 
You say, well, we don't need to do that. We have Facebook and we have text message and email and phone. Yeah, but the Bible says not to neglect the assembling of yourselves together, which is the manner of some, but even more so as you see the day of the Lord appearing or approaching, come to the house of God. Well, I come to church so that way I can be approved of God or accepted by God? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. This is, like we talked on Sunday, there is not a progress report and a report card that we have with different topics like church attendance and tithing and prayer and Bible reading and giving. And we put a star on it and we have to fill up all these stars. And then if we go through, we can say, God, you're for me this week because look, I did it. It doesn't work. That's not truth. That's not how it works. So we don't go to church to be accepted. We go to church because we have been. We are accepted. Amen? He says, by this we know the love. We know love, excuse me, because he laid down his life for us. And I'm talking uh, tonight because there, there has been, in the body of Christ, it really primarily started with the, the, the greatest generation and moved and carried into, and the church uh, carried heavily into the baby boomer generation because everybody that is in that 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 gap of time um, really is heavy on structure and rules and right is right and wrong is wrong and, and I'm for that. They're the generation that, you know, you shouldn't wear this and you shouldn't say that and you shouldn't go here and you shouldn't do this and there's probably some truth to some of it. But no matter what generation we're from, we have to hold fast to the Word of God. So I'm going to say some things and people are going to be like, well, wait, I don't know about that. I like rules and unfortunately it's just not scriptural in the New Testament. Because Hebrews says God has written his commandments, his, his commandments on our hearts, and we think, oh, he wrote the law. The 613 mosaic ordinances of the law have been written on our hearts so that way we can keep them. No. Not true. Oh, he wrote the ten, the big ten, so that way we could keep them. No, that's not true. Here, here's what they are. There's two commandments. He says in 17, But whatever, whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And by this we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. For if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence toward God. And whatever we ask... We receive from him because we kept his commandments. Oh no, here are the rules. What do we do? And we do those things that are pleasing in his sight. Aren't you glad that 23 is the answer? 23 gives us the answer. What are the commandments? What are pleasing in his sight? I'm glad you asked. This is his commandment. That we should believe on the name of the Son of God. This is our commandment. This is what's been written on our heart. This is what we're supposed to do. Believe on the name of the Son of God. And two, the other commandment written on our heart, the other rule, the other regulation that applies to us in the New Testament, in the New Covenant, is love one another as he gave us command. Love one another. So if we will... No matter, no matter what we've been taught, no matter what we've been trained, no matter what we think, if we will, 
believe on the name of the Son of God, and love one another as Jesus told us that we should. We're not going to commit murder. We're not going to steal and lie and cheat. And if we will do those, then these are the things that you and I are required to do in our life. In every situation, in every moment, in every instance, we can just simply stop, step back and say, I'm going to believe in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and what he's told me to do. I'm going to love this person. So is my response to this text message, or is my response to this Facebook post, or is my response to the person in traffic loving that person? as Jesus told me to. So we yield ourselves to the Holy Spirit. We make that decision in the moment. I'm not going to act like a fool right now. I'm going to step back, even though I want to punch something and throw something and kick someone. I'm going to step back. And I'm going to say, am I walking in love like Jesus told me to? This is the commandment that we have to keep. And this is how we bear fruit. And we can't do it on our own strength. We already know that because people tick us off so much we want to spit at them. <laughs> Maybe you don't want to spit at them, but I've known people that want to spit at people and punch people and throw stuff. And, and this person cut him off in traffic and then started cussing him out. And uh, I was with him. I thought it was kind of cool. And then he rolled down his window and spit on their windshield. And I thought... That is awesome. I don't think he was walking in love, but I'm like, when you can't do anything else, just spit on their windshield. The point is, you and I will stand in front of the Lord Jesus. Now, people have heard about the uh, judgment seat of Christ, right? And then people have heard of the great white throne judgment. People have gotten those things confused, and unfortunately, there's just no, no bearing or panning this out in the Bible. But, but I remember when I was a kid, maybe you didn't hear this when you were in Christian church, they called it, Christian church, but this is what they told me. They told me that one day you're going to die, and they made you scared to do it. But one day you're going to die. And when you die, in heaven, in front of God, and all the angels, and all the elders, and all the people that know you, there's going to be this big old projection screen that's going to just out of nowhere. There's going to be a video of your life played, and every sin that you committed, and every thing that you said, and all the wrong deeds that you... Anybody ever been told that? Says Says who? Where's that in the book? That's not in the book. That's not in the book at all. And so what that does is in us, it breeds contempt because I hate Jim because his, his movie is going to be shorter than mine. So I'm going to go and screw with Jim as much as I can because I want him to retaliate so that way. This is not how the children of God should behave. By the way, this is not how a loving, merciful, saving, redeeming, delivering God would handle his children. He is not going to, no more than you, would set your child down in a living room in front of the whole entire family and just hit play and say, just sit there and watch it. No way. That is ridiculous. 
No scriptural reference for that type of a judgment that I'm going to stand in front of Jesus and give an account for every single thing I've ever done. Oh my goodness. Yeah, but, 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 but the Bible says, but the Word says that our deeds are going to be judged. Yeah, they are. What are they going to be judged up against? And this is what we think. I left that hanging on purpose. And this is what we think. If our movie is real short, then we're going to have this real big mansion. That's what they told us. That's what they told me. Maybe they didn't tell you. But they told me, if you don't want to have a tiny little shack out in the middle of nowhere, you better not be a jackass and do stupid stuff. Because if you are and you do, you're going to have this tiny, and everybody's going to know it. I'm not joking. This is what I was taught in a Christian church. So that way I'd be the laughing stock of heaven for all eternity. Jamie would be able to walk up and say, Hey, you know, I remember watching your show in that time when you were at a weak moment in your life and you were given to temptation and you did something stupid. And now everyone in heaven, the Apostle Paul, is going to know about it. My grandpa is going to know about it. Billy Graham's going to be there, I'm sure. He's, he's going to know. Everybody's just going to know about it, the, the time that Bob made the mistake. That's not the truth. That's not God. We would never do that to our children. And Jesus said, we're evil. You being evil fathers. That's what he said. So, I don't know why that crept into the church. Actually, I do know why that crept into the church, and I'm concerned that you will be extremely bored if I tell you. The answer is what we're going to be judged upon. What we're going to be judged upon is, Jim, in that moment when you were faced to do what you were commanded, did you do it? Yes or no? No airing it out for everybody to see. And if you did it, as unto the Lord. Colossians says, whatever you do in word or deed, do it all unto the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving glory to God the Father in this, or by it. So did you do it? Whatever it was. And it's really going to be a, you made this many decisions that were in your flesh. They are not going to last. They're wood, hand, stubble. But you made this many decisions that were of the Spirit. And so, praise God. It's not, a big, it's not more rooms in your mansion in heaven. People have said this forever and ever and ever. Oh boy, that person there, they, boy, I mean, they just give to the church and they're just there early in the morning and stay in late at night and oh, they just have jewels in their crown. You ever heard that? What? <laughs> I mean, we've heard it forever, right? Where, where did, does the Bible really say that? Does the Bible say because Kent and Jim and Bonnie and Feedy and Dale and Rosie and, and on and on, because they come to the church and spend all these hours that they're just going to have jewels in their crown? It's not even referenced. 
The Bible says that we have a crown of life and a robe of righteousness. And we'll cast our crowns before the Lamb. Not even mention that there are jewels in your crown. Let alone how you get them there. Every decision that we make, the Lord's just going to say, well, you made some choices that didn't bear in through the test of time. They didn't bear in through the New Testament commandment that I wrote on your heart, which was to believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and to love one another as you were commanded to. All right. See, the, the preaching of the gospel, I made this comment the other day on, on Facebook, and people didn't like it that much. I figured that they would, but they didn't as much as I thought so. And so now my Facebook feelings have been hurt. I'm over it already. Um, but David Martin, this guy has a lot of names, I don't know why. His name is David Martin Lloyd-Jones. And D. Martin Lloyd-Jones said the, the true preaching of the gospel is dangerous. This is a paraphrase. He said, this is the exact quote, there is this kind of dangerous element about the true presentation of the doctrine of salvation. And, and when I thought about that before I posted, I thought people will really get a kick out of this, and then they didn't. But I thought, that is so true because it messes with man-made theology, and it messes with man-made tradition. And if we're not careful, it will tick people off. Can you imagine Jesus preaching in the religious crowd of his day? The Bible says, gnashed their teeth at him as to bite him. That's moving beyond spitting on a windshield. You have nothing more to do, so you just start chomping in the air at somebody, hoping that you'll sink into their flesh. They were so mad at what he was saying. What was he saying? The presentation of the gospel. They got so mad at him, they were chewing at him, trying to get to him. There's a dangerous element to the true presentation of the gospel. So now I'm going to be very careful to not bore you and give you some ideas of where this came in. There is a doctrine that was created in human history. The man's name is John Calvin. And so it's called Calvinism. And so there's this ideology from John Calvin that gives us, there's three words that mean the same thing. One is election, E-L-E-C-T-I-O-N. Like when you go and vote, there's the gospel or the doctrine of election. Now, the way that Calvin presents it is not accurate, but the way that the gospel presents it and the way that the Bible declares it, and there's two main guys I'm going to talk about, John Calvin and Jacobus Arminius, okay? You're going to have a test. Calvinism and Arminianism. Okay? Calvinism says God sits in heaven, selection, election, and predestination. They're all the same preaching. They're just called three different things. Calvinism talks about election, selection, and predestination. So the doctrine of election or predestination says God sits in heaven and just says, I like Dana a little bit more than I like art. And so 
I've decided because I'm sovereign that I want Dana around for eternity and not so much art. So I'm going to put into Dana just a little bit more grace, just a little bit more faith, just a little bit more propensity to be able to believe, a little bit more yieldedness, a little bit more surrenderedness, so that way when she comes to earth, she's been selected by me, someone will talk to her about Jesus, she'll receive Jesus, I like Dana more than I like Art, Art's going to go the other place. He isn't, but in this scenario. And Dana's going to stay with me because I want her because she's so lovely and so wonderful and so beautiful. And so I like Ashley just a little bit more than I like Bob. Bob's a jerk. And so I'm going to not give him the grace or the faith or the propensity to be able to believe. So I'm going to select these people based on my sovereignty. Okay? So that's the doctrine of selection the doctrine of election and the doctrine or doctrine of predestination. And the reason that we get the elect is because Jesus talked about the elect of God and Peter says that we should know the elect among us. And so they say, oh, these were the elected of God. They were loved by God just a little bit more. And so we say, whoa, 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 what? That's about as dumb as a movie screen. I mean, does this thing show popcorn and you're going to have to have an intermission for mine because i got to go to the bathroom quick. I mean, people are going to leave halfway through because it's like 1,700 hours long. So they're going to leave at like 850, 900 hours. That's just as dumb to think that God didn't want art to be in eternity with him because for some reason he wasn't good enough. And so God already knew that art wasn't going to have because he wasn't given the propensity to be able to believe or the faith or the mercy or the grace to be able to receive and walk and, and abide in him. So this doctrine says, we picture. So what happens is this. Shortly after John Calvin stands up and says, I've got an idea, everybody's like, sweet. And then they say, oh crap. Because if I'm on the edge, i got to do something and be something to get tipped over. Because I want to go to heaven, and if God's kind of, I don't know about Jim, then I've got to go and do a bunch of works. I've got to labor and, and do better and be better and do more and be more, and, and so that way I can be accepted by God. And so this idea that we have in the church about working to be saved and working to be saved and working to be saved came from just one man having a false doctrine that says God likes Rosie just a little bit more than he likes Dale. So because Dale isn't sure, Dale's going to work his fingers to the bone, as it were, and work his tail end off so that way he can hopefully make it in. So it gives no security and no assurance of salvation. So Armenianism, Jacobus Arminius, a Dutch theologian, he comes along and he says, oh yeah, we, we believe in election. Absolutely. But, but what they're talking about is Calvinism is unconditional election. Dana has no choice. She was selected by God. She has no choice in the matter. No free will, total violation of Dana's personality, 
Ashley's personality, Rosie's personality, total violation. It does not matter. They have no hope. They have no choice. They're just simply puppets on a string. They will be saved. They will go to heaven. They will be with God for eternity. Period. That just doesn't pan out in Scripture. But Armenianism, that's unconditional. No matter what, you're in. You're predestined. Armenianism says, well, we, we believe in election, but it's just a little, it's a little bit different. See, we believe in corporate election. What do you mean by corporate election? Well, we believe that Jesus Christ was the elect of God and that Jesus Christ has come to live on this earth and to live a perfect and blameless life and that Jesus Christ would be punished by God and crucified by God and buried in a physical tomb and his body put in a tomb and his spirit going into hell and God bringing up both his body and joining his spirit and raising him from the dead and then at the appointed time allowing him to ascend into heaven and be seated at the right hand of God. So we believe in corporate election, which means that Jesus Christ is the elect of God. And any human being from any place at any time can get in Christ and then go to heaven. That seems like the gospel to me. There are no favorites. There are no tribes that God just doesn't like and doesn't care about. And so corporate election says we're all saved by grace through faith. And Jesus Christ is the elect of God. And, and one theologian said this way. It was actually Armenianism, Jacobus Arminius. He said, he said, Jesus Christ is the captain of a ship. He called it vessel. Jesus Christ is the captain of a vessel called elect. And anyone can come and voyage with him on the vessel. That, that seems more like the Bible saying that God wills that none should perish. So, what I'm saying tonight is just one man-made theology. Just one false doctrine put hundreds of years of working and working and working because I'm not sure if God likes me as much as Rosie. So I've got to work just in case he doesn't and hopefully he'll be satisfied with all of my work. In Hebrews chapter 4 says, there's a rest for the people of God where just like God did after creation he rested so we cease from our labors and we stop working to be accepted and we begin to work with the person of the Holy Spirit instead of working out of our flesh and working and stirring and, and striving and trying to attain and trying to acquire we simply just rest in the presence of God and say Holy Spirit I'm working with you you're working with me. We're doing this together. God working with them. Yes. Confirming the word that was spoken with signs and wonders and miracles. God working with them. So we just say, I'm going to cease from working in the flesh to be accepted and loved and received. I'm not going to go the way of 
Calvinism that says, I've got to work and 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 work. Because if we do that, we'll never come from out underneath the burden of trying to accept God. And the Bible tells us that the laws that Jesus has given us, they're not burdensome. They're not heavy. They're not difficult. They're not demanding. This walk with God, this relationship with God, is not supposed to be a religious, man-made ideology of a bunch of rules. If you do these, you'll be okay. If you don't do these, you won't be okay. Our relationship with God is supposed to be lived by the person of the Holy Spirit representing Jesus Christ in our life, in our physical body. We've been united with Christ. We've been united with the elect of God that God said, I'm going to send the perfect person, God in the flesh. And anyone who gets aboard the vessel that he's the captain of, will be in Christ, therefore received into heaven. So we're talking about laboring, and we're talking about fruit, and we're talking about works, and we're talking about, we have to be very careful that our mentality of why we do the things that we do isn't somehow to gain favor, or gain blessing, or gain more of God, as if God were in a swivel chair. We talked about this a little bit on Sunday. And he says, you didn't get all your punches for prayer, so I'm just not going to talk to you today. And then he turns around and says, oh, I'll talk to you now because this week you did it. You got all your punches. You jumped through all the hoops. So what is it that you need, son? What is it that you need, daughter? That would not be a good relationship And we have to be even more careful that we don't relate our relationship with God to human relationships. Because we all know, well, you didn't text me, and you didn't call me, and you didn't come over, and you didn't spend time with me, and you didn't like my post on Facebook. And so we have that where you're not in good graces with me. I'm mad at you. I'm going to unfriend you. God doesn't do us like that. I said, God doesn't do us like that. Amen. Aren't you glad for the truth of God's word? Did you get anything out of this tonight? Let's go ahead and stand up to our feet. And Nick, if you'll come to an instrument of your choosing. I just want to say this. I, I, it's funny because I read a review. I don't even remember what it was of, but Nick Pydick gave a review of the church, or I think actually it might have been our um, iTunes, our podcasts. And he was just giving this, this review of the Word of God in its purest form and the truth of God that will set us free and, and that the strings have been cut. There are no strings attached. We're accepted into the family of God because of grace and by love and through faith. And, and Nick said, you know, and even Pastor Brian says, it's amazing what you'll learn if you read the Bible. And it's funny because it was years ago, but yet here I was going to say it tonight, not because of Nick's review, but because 
It's just amazing what we can learn if we'll read the truth of God's Word. It will set us free. And the more I talk with people, this is the biggest thing I feel that's, that's pressing the earth today. Christians want to have an assurance that their sins are forgiven. Christians are they're working and they're laboring and they're scurrying around just saying, I just got to make sure I'm forgiven. I got to make sure that I'm forgiven. I'm thinking, calm down. You don't, even, you don't even know the God that you've called upon. And then the heathen are running to everything that they can get a hold of to find something that will give them satisfy them to bring the 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 answer to their desire. They're hungry and they're thirsty and they're reaching out to this and they're reaching out to that and they're listening to the song that I just can't get no satisfaction and they're trying everything that they can. So the lost are reaching and groping and striving to get something in the church is the answer. The body of Christ, the new birth, the blood of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus is the answer. But because, and here, here's just the reality, guys. And I wish that this was Sunday morning and we were full and everybody was hearing this message because I believe that this is a message that everybody needs to hear. But, but here, here's the real deal. The, the heathen who are, who are looking for satisfaction and looking for the answers, they're afraid to try the church. Because I've heard them say, oh, I've tried that once. How many times have you heard that? Oh, I've, I've, tri- I've tried that Jesus stuff before. It didn't work. Well, the response for us is, then you didn't try the real deal. You haven't been accurately represented. God has not been accurately shown to you. You you may have tried it before and it didn't take or it didn't work or I didn't but you weren't handed the right stuff. And that's truth. So here we are. We have to make sure that we are accurately representing Jesus Christ in the love of God. Here's the commandment that's been written on our hearts and it's not a burdensome commandment that we would believe in the name of the Son of God and that we would love one another as Jesus has commanded us. Well, Pastor Brian, I I see this person and they're a drug addict or they're an alcoholic or they're into fornication or adultery or pornography or or, or, or they're into a same-sex relationship and homosexuality and sodomy and blah and and they're liars and they're cheaters and they're who cares? Who cares? The love of God is not withheld from them because of their actions. And the love of Jesus Christ in his body cannot be withheld from them. We don't look at them and say, hey, we're real glad that you're like, you know, killing people. We accept them. We love them. We don't we don't approve. You understand the difference, right? We don't approve what they're doing because we know it's hurting them and hurting others, but we still accept them. We still love them. I don't approve of it, but I accept you. You're a human that God loves, and Jesus 
died for. So again, I'm looking all over and I'm hearing all kinds of people talking and, and I'm seeing things and hearing things and talking to people and Christians just want to know, am I all right? I actually heard someone saying this just, uh, I was out in California visiting my brother and his wife and I went to a baseball game. I went to see the San Francisco Giants play. And in the crowd behind me, there was a couple of young guys, and they were in some kind of a Bible school. And I heard the guy say to his buddy, I don't know about you, but this whole threat of ISIS because San Bernardino situation and everything that's been going on, this guy said this. They've been talking about Jesus like for an hour. And he says, I don't know about you, but this whole threat of ISIS thing makes me want to really know for sure if my sins are forgiven. And I'm sitting here and my heart just sank and I thought, but the gospel says that they have been. The gospel says that if we believe in our heart, what's the law written in the hearts of human beings? Believe on the name of the Son of God. If we believe, Romans 10, 9, 10, if we believe with our heart that Jesus is the Son of God, that God raised him from the dead, then we will be saved. With the heart we believe and with the mouth we confess. Romans 10, 13 says, Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved.